Jesus Christ. <laughs> I had like one of those 40s and I was good to go, but I'm ADHD for real, so that stuff just calms me down. Yeah, it kept being an excuse. You felt like you needed to do enough for Adderall as, a, as like a college student during finals. Like you thought you could handle that. Well, I have no frame of reference on what's a lot of Adderall. So. <laughs> That's true. I really don't either. It's been a while since I've taken ADHD medication. I know that the first couple times I took it, I got wrecked and then quickly built up an immune to it. So I was like, oh, like I'm just like processing it. My body's, my body's running at 100% efficiency right now. <laughs> But you were taking, um, when was that? What were you taking at that point? You were on 10 days? Yeah, so maybe more. I, I wasn't really keeping track. But because I, I had offers, but I had so I many shows, like a week at a time. it kept. I kept having things where I, I got that six-month-year-old baby, and so I'd have like I wouldn't sleep great. I'd wake up tired. It's like, wow, well, one uh, more day, yeah. and one more day became just like. And then the last day was we had our punchline Jeopardy, Denver's number one comedy game show. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> We did Punchline Jeopardy on Thursday, and that was it. So that's the last, like, comedy thing I have until Saturday. But you kept doing it. <laughs> yeah, but then, so when I stopped, I stopped Thursday. <laughs> Thursday night was my last night. Oh, and, and you then, still felt like shit? So, yeah, it's been, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and now here we are on Monday. I mean, I've, I've had coke calm downs like that, kind of, but it's been so long since I've done Adderall, I don't know how much more it's worth. Yeah, maybe it's the brain tumor catching up with me. Probably the brain tumor caused by your child. That's like what it would say if we wrote a comedy script. It's like, my brain tumor's been getting bigger and bigger, and, and I do all this Adderall, and I confuse the come down with the actual onset of the tumor degrading my cognitive cancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you go to a detox place, and then you come back for brain tumor. And yeah. That's, That's how I find out. I go get blood yeah. tested at the fucking, I think I'm an addict, man. I'm having the DTs. And they're like, you've got a lump in your skull. <laughs> in your skull. It's so bad that it's actually protruding your bone. Well, that's what got me thinking about the the tumors, because I do have a protruding thing in the front of my skull. People can see it. If I show it yeah, to people, they're do. like, oh. You, do, you, you have the starts of, like, how Mega Mind started. It's, it's, it's not there yet, but I could see it growing into something that's grotesque. Fuck. Well, this, this <laughs> podcast really started on a bummer note, Corey. <laughs> I know. For anyone that, all some, what, people what actually, the, some people have actually listened to this, so I should preface that Corey Stevens is probably the uh, the biggest asshole in Denver comedy. Probably, yeah. I mean, I talk about death more than almost any other comic, I think. There's, I went over my material the other day, and I realized how much death material I have. Yes. There's people who are pieces of shit. And then they're kind of assholes. You're a great person and a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like the, the, the dichotomy is what yeah. I'm looking for. I, I mean, I like, you're not like Zach Welch mean. You know, you're a no. nice guy, but you're a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just can't. It's more that I can't shut up. That's the problem, I think. Yeah. Because well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll have your back on anything, but... uh you know, I'll say the worst things to you you've ever heard. <laughs> well, then speaking of all that, I, the reason I always do this, I, I love to ask the questions about comedy that we never really talk about, like the theoretics. So I've been asking everyone to explain their view on what what is a joke? Like I, I explain this to Megan. You ever say a word over and over and over so many times it almost loses meaning? 
Yeah, well, of course. That's that happens to me. That, that happens to me with jokes where it's like I just write and write and write to the point where it's like I don't even know what a joke is. Like I say these words and you laugh. What the fuck is any of this? Well, see, see, that's the, that's the problem that I have of I will actually talk myself out, out of writing a bit. Like I will, I will come up with a premise and like come up with almost a punchline and then I'm like, well, that's not, I know where that's going, but I'm just, I, and also I have a problem with seeing it from the other point of view and all my jokes and that just ruins it. Because like, you get to the point of like coming up with premises and premises and stuff, like, and then when you get to the punchline part, because that's all the, what makes a joke. Like you can have the punchline be these long act outs or like three words or just one word or things like that. Could but, you define it? What's your definition of it? Because that, that's that's a joke. Like, what, yeah, yeah. What's what's your view on it? The de- the definition of a joke to me is just something that consistently makes people laugh. Like it's it's because it can be so many things. That's what I love about comedy is that a punchline can be fifty different things, and the premise can be a billion different things. Like it, it's. There's no, like, a joke. If you want to have the pure definition of a joke, then it's set up punchline, but it's more than that. Because there's people who, like, I hear people who just make a noise, and a lot of people look down on them, but they get big laughs. And so it's still, or a facial expression. A facial expression can be part of a joke. You're the you're one of the most expressive bald faces I've ever seen, and that just it adds to the comedy, and that in itself is a joke. You call a person a joke, and it's the same thing as calling like everything a joke. So here's how I've been philosophizing joking: is that you stole philosophizing from me, by the way. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like there's like an invisible story that you're telling. Like, you give them A and D, and then B and C flashes in their head. You know, you didn't, you didn't say anything, so that's like, so I think about, like, yeah, that's fascinating. You're the first person to bring up how a face, making a face could be a joke, and that triggers, oh, well, see, that does, that falls into my theory on there's an invisible joke that that face, you're, you say something, and then the face you make, just by making the face, we can tell there's a different thing like you know yeah. you make a pain oh, face movement like like there, there's like just movement in itself like i'm a very active comic when it comes to like hand movement and things like that and more moving around the stage and just that alone if you make a certain motion during a a, a bit it, it comes off better why is like, it funny it, though why What's what's actually you know, this, this, triggering? Actually, this is something I've been thinking about. One of the things that, that I see as funny that that people I'm not talking about what comics find funny because we find much worse things funny than everybody else. But as an audience member, I feel that a lot of the times when you're talking about what is funny, it's things they just don't hear in regular life or see in regular life. Like how many times have you seen a comic go up and they're just this? Oddity. They're not necessarily prepared. They don't have jokes prepared, but they're an oddity. And the crowd loves them. I don't mean to bring him up because I, he does have well-written jokes, and I just said somebody doesn't have jokes. But at the same time, that that, that copper, uh, what's his name? That guy with the shakes? Uh, yeah, fucking. The copper uh, dude. Arnett. I can't remember his name right now because I'm kind of drinking. Uh, but, Stu. Stu Arnett. 
Stuart Arnold. Stuart Arnold. He's just been coming up as Coppertone. Coppertone, that's his name. Yeah, I don't know why uh, he's on Facebook like that. That's weird. I know, it's weird. But at the same time, he is an oddity. He shakes his ass off on Facebook. He has really well-written jokes on it. But just from the moment that he comes on stage, people are seeing something they don't regularly see. In Denver, fucking five years ago, when there were black people on stage, just like that was... That's probably taking it too far, but, like, they're probably, like, that's an oddity. They don't get to see that much on stage, so anything you say will come off as that. Huh, that's fascinating. It's, it's, it's this, it's this, we are, people like to make a joke of, like, I'm not a, I'm not your dancing monkey. I'm fucking here to tell actual jokes. But really, you are a person that shows your, like, you, you are showing yourself you people because I always say that you everybody's funny I so many people in Denver are hilarious I love most of them but what's more important than that is being memorable memorable is more important than being funny and an oddity is memorable you want people to not just laugh at you but be like I've never fucking seen this before and the jokes are great and people can make good jokes I work on joke structure like so much but that will never be the inherent thing of just memorability there's certain people that are more memorable than other people and your job is to be as memorable as them if you want to make money at this hmm. see that's, that's what it's all about to, to see something that they've never seen see just as my personnel i was talking what a great comedy like insight for me was that, you know, I hang out with you and our buddy fucking Luis Martinez, yeah. who's crazy as batshit. Yeah. <laughs> mem- I always bring him up when I talk about somebody who's memorable. Yeah. Because, like, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of good jokes. He has great stories, and he tells right. them amazing. But some of his jokes are such shit. And I will tell him that to his face, and I told him it over the phone. But he like, has a way of phrasing things so uniquely. Yeah. Like, like, I was... Like, you could tell a story about smoking crack, but I defy you to tell a story about smoking flat crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's able to do that just off the cuff. Like, Cocaine Dab is a genius move. Cocaine Dab is one of those things that's so genius, it's, like, epic. And I also I worry that, accidental, really. And I worry that it's one of those things that's, like, uh, I bet you there's, like, Ten comic crackheads throughout the nation that have also came up with that idea. Well, I don't know, because, like... But he's, but see, that's the difference is that, like, mo- I bet you anything that most of those crackhead comics are, like, fucking, they say it as a joke. He says it as an aside, and it's part of his personality, because he said that so much by now that he just brings it up randomly. He's, he's like, so smoking these cocaine dabs, you guys know what that is, right? <laughs> like, it's not, he's definitely uh, one of those people, you hear all the stories about the, the, the comics that are fucking, like, he's the same dude off stage as he is on. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I've seen him talk. He does huge long bits out while we're smoking pot. And uh, yeah, it's like you literally take that on about some random shit. So I start to feel boring. Like I'm hanging out. It's like oh, I'm, I'm just like boring white bread. And I'm bitching. We're talking comedy outside of Rover one day. Me and Million and Million Al Yinovich and fucking uh, Jeff Nelson. And I'm like, man, I'm just so boring. And Jeff Nelson turns and looks at me and he goes, are you? 
kidding me? He's like, you're fucking insane. Are you fucking, yeah. you know? No, I you was know the there way. for that. That was yeah. one of my favorite things. And it made me realize, it's like, oh, I'm only boring compared to, like, you insane animals. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I forget when I used to, I used to work at Green Dragon Dispensaries, and my manager, when she hired, uh, who's now one of my closest friends, Giovanni and Chris, they ended up starting dating, but when Chris started at fucking Green Dragon, she told me, like, they were giving all new employees this warning. There's this, this fucking guy, Josh, he's fucking crazy. Don't read too much into it. He's perfectly normal. He just comes... Because I would just be, like, sober. You know, after, like, five hours of being sober, my mania, my, like, my mania comes out. And I start just, like, ranting like a fucking prophet for hours. Yeah. So I realized, it's like, oh, shit. It's like, I need to tap more. I'm not boring at all. I need to tap more into my craziness. And you just saying this makes me realize, oh, shit. There's, like, a whole nether gear that I'm afraid to show people. That's the real, that's the thing, right? I don't want the back of the room judging me. I'm so like, scared like, of that. Think about it this way. It's, comedy, I feel, is the opposite of a desk job. Because desk job, you got to be very conservative. You have to, like, you know, you got to hide your real personality and things like that. The point of, of doing co comedy is literally to, like, show your personality and your views. You have to make them funny. You can't just say your views. Like, that's not a thing. But the more you let the... The, the the best way I can describe it is, I, I was listening to Doug Stanhope's book very recently, and he said that nobody in comedy nobody wants a hero. That you that you don't want to hear a story about you killing and you doing all this stuff. The best parts of your life that come for comedy are your failures, are the the crazy story or the just not even crazy stories, just the crazy experiences and how that lends itself to you not losing but you see that you, you were humbled by what is going on and what's going on in your life. Mm, yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's a problem I have. I always try to, I'm, I, I rarely beat the shit out of me. I'm usually mm -hmm. just funny at like, hey, this baby and fucking this and that. And let me just, just dismantle this social, like marriage is so important. Let me dismantle it and show you why it's complete horseshit. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes that different. Like I, I've actually noticed that because I've got a bit, I've got two bits now about getting out of uh, uh, like tickets at a pullover. One of them, like getting out of a DUI, and in certain affluent, this is something I noticed is that certain affluent crowds love that bit. They're like, ah, you you got fucking out of the thing, but people who are downtrodden even or like not even downtrodden just like regular middle class people are like I would never get away with that shit and they get angry at you uh, so like it, it, there's certain people that those wind stories work for but for the most part you're going to be working you're going to be working for working class human beings while you're doing comedy so I'm not saying your comedy should lend itself to that but if it does it definitely helps unless you're doing corporate gigs or all that so I end up losing track of that it's not about getting booked on shows and like, but it, well, it's, it's, it's about it being yourself. It's about yeah, being well, yourself and then everything else will come after that. Cause I, I have a joke right now where I say, if my, I'm super woke, you know, I'm actually super woke. It's like, if my daughter turned out to be trans, I would be stoked. Cause I've always <laughs> wanted a son. And that joke, I remember that joke. I, love I, that joke. I thought about cutting it. I did it. I did it at the court. I bring the corgi up, for example, because I did it. 
all week. And I did it, and it, and it was working, 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 and I get to the corgi, and I just see all their faces looking at me, and I just cut that joke. I don't say it. I was like, I know you people aren't going to follow me. Yeah, I'm just fucking, I don't so, know about that. So then I'm going into Comedy Works on Tuesday, our big, you know, you get maybe every three or four months, you get three minutes to go up and show your shit at Comedy Works in front of a packed house. So I'm doing my set. It's got to be three minutes sharp, you know, get it down. And I'm thinking about cutting that joke. And then I do it at Rover on Monday, and it smashes, and I decide, fuck it, I'm leaving it in. Yeah, do it. We get, we get notes in the green room of uh, Comedy Works and Brent Tobler, fucking ro- veteran road comedian, fucking awesome dude, is giving notes in the green room. And he's like, you know, blah, 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 this, that, this and that. And then he just throws a little compliment. He's like, love the sun joke. And I was like, <laughs> I fucking... See, I thought about cutting that because of these goddamn yeah. oversensitive <laughs> comedians, whereas, like, humanity, that was hysterical. Yeah, but that's, that's what I'm talking about, is that you talk to people like Brant Tobler and these motherfuckers who actually have been on the road, and they see what jokes work outside of this liberal fucking bastion of Denver, and they will tell you that that's the shit that works. That's the good shit. That's so it's fascinating. Not- but like, and and people, you know, people might say that I get away with certain things because of my bisexuality. But like, I don't just do stuff about that to get away with. Like, I do things that, man, I I yelled at I yelled at a war vet a few months ago because of my school shooter material. I didn't know he was a war vet at the time, but it happened. Like, I I I, I don't. But most people love those bits. Hi guys, it's Josh Grambo. Holy shit, Corey Stevens. That was a lot of unexpected wisdom from this fucking half a Mormon bisexual. Very interesting. In fact, it was so interesting, we went longer than any other podcast I've ever done, which should be expected. Corey's one of my closest friends in Denver and is actually invited to my wedding next week. March 20th, I get married to my girlfriend of nine years, and all the homies is going to be there. Maybe we'll even do a podcast of some sort when I have all those awesome comics penned up. So we did a two-parter. This is only the first half of what ended up being a pretty fucking amazing conversation. So if you enjoyed uh, the first half and you learned anything, go check out the second half. Part two will be uploaded right next to it. So that was it, guys. I must keep doing these, so if you like it, Give me a sub on YouTube. I'm throwing these not on my Josh Grambo YouTube channel, but on my DMT Denver Mountain Theater YouTube channel. Keep it separated. DMT Denver Mountain Theater. It's my just kind of hub for all things not stand-up or sketch that I'll be doing. And throwing it over there. So give a sub, give a like, thumbs up, follow, all the bullshit. 2020 you guys know the score the show is called comics with grambo and i'm out